I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says, you dweller of the twilight void, come Dunwich. Hey, uh, if you wouldn't have said Dunwich, I could have taken a uh, coin flip to say what movie which that was from. <laughs> yeah, we're doing two movies that are very similar. They're today. so similar. So I feel similar. like I watched the same movie uh, twice, like a cover version with some tweaks. Like <laughs> a lot of people like, consider the first movie a dry run for the second. City that's how I would, that's what I, that's what I would consider yeah because yeah. uh, I'm more fond of the second than the first but both of them kind of uh they both moved to the center of more they, one of them moved from I didn't really like that to oh okay that's fine to I really like that to okay that's pretty okay so <laughs> we'll get there hey Aaron what's, yeah what's, we'll get we'll get there but anyways, yeah where we love to watch we're movie podcast we pick a theme we do movies all around Inside, upside down, uh, around that theme. And uh, this month, we're wrapping up A Winter's Lovecraft, which is a corollary to our uh, summer theme, where we did a supersized double month of Lovecraft adaptations. And we were so excited about talking about all those that we decided to do some Lovecraft inspired by movies. So we've done Martyrs. We've done The Last Wave. We've done The Void. And now we're doing a double feature of uh, 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 Fulci movies, City of the Living Dead and The Beyond, two movies that are, again, uh, I watched them both in the same day. The first time I watched them both, they were spread out by roughly six to seven years. Uh, (laughs) So when you watch – so this is a double feature that I would say – don't do this as a double feature. <laughs> they yeah. are essentially the same movie. And as I mentioned, I watched The Beyond first. We're going to talk about The Beyond first. Uh, that movie rose a little bit in my estimation. Uh, and then watching City of the Living Dead uh, just a few hours after that, City of the Living Dead was like, man, I really just saw this exact movie. <laughs> um, so, But I still still prefer City. Um it's kind of a question of this is how I would say it like do you want gradually apocalyptic stuff happening with a a ton of uh, creature violence do you like maggots snakes rats those sort of things I would recommend City of the Living Dead on the other hand do you like all the first part I said but instead of animals and, and creepy crawly things do you just fucking hate every part of a face the ears <laughs> the tongue the eyes all right if you just are like fuck that's that's like i like hands and i like feet oh but that face has so many fucking parts i hate i'd love to see them individually uh tortured i would recommend the beyond because what the beyond does is hurts tongues hurts ears <laughs> hurts eyes uh in some very clever unexpected ways like for example having a tarantula bite off go inside someone's mouth and bite off pieces of the tongue like you Which don't is something see that, that tarantulas are not capable of but that doesn't fucking matter in the world of lucio fulci yeah so yeah let's so 
I this was a, the Beyond is such an interesting one for us because when P, before we ever did a podcast, Peter and I were talking about movies, and I had seen the Beyond. I think when it was first released in DVD, finally, like it was hard to watch for a while, and I rented it in two thousand seven, and it was it probably was the first Italian horror movie I had ever seen, uh, and. It it was uh, I know like Fulci's movies aren't exactly giallo movies, but like a few of them de- are. A few of them are. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't torture a duckling, which is my favorite. Um, yeah. which I just saw this last year is is more more giallo. But the psychic New York Ripper probably applies to yeah a few of them. But yeah, most Fulci movies, I would say yeah, you're right. Like the what he's known for is not not giallo movies at all. No. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it was in the old AV Club comment. Someone was talking about, oh, the Beyond just came out, and people talked about it like the European Evil Dead and like super awesome gore effects and stuff like that. And I watched it, and I was not a big fan of it because again, I just I hadn't been like now. I've seen so many of these like dubbed Italian horror movies, and there's a lot of eccentricities within them that you get used to. Uh, the fact that they seem to go out of their way to make sure that the uh, the dubbing that they do does not match the actors' faces. Uh, I feel like they were like, if you're an Italian producer in the 70s and 80s on these movies, you purposely try your best to go, that sounds nothing like this guy would would sound. Let's cast them. Uh, as well as uh, trying to get as many different accents as they can populate a movie with. Uh, and, and like, it has a very specific pacing. It has a lot of, like, static shots of the dubbed-in voice moaning a little bit too much when anything scary is happening for a while. And it was a lot of stuff that I just wasn't quite prepared to digest. So I, I, I liked some of the effects uh, when I saw it, but I was a little bit just just didn't know what to expect and what I was expecting was not what I got. So I, I didn't walk away with the best feeling about it. Now, having seen a lot of Fulci movies, having seen a lot of Giallo movies, having seen a lot of Italian zombie and gore movies, um, I when I finally got around to City of the Living Dead about three or four years ago, I really, really loved it. It was like, this is Fulci. This is the stuff I like. Um but Peter had always been saying, because he knew I, I wasn't a fan of the Beyond, that when you watch it again, you will like it. Uh, and so we'll, we'll get the verdict right out of the way. I like it more. I still ha- I still think it's kind of boring. <laughs> but uh, – and I, and I will say uh, the most lo- – let's talk a little bit about the, the Lovecraftian part first. Yeah. So, I, I want to make a pitch. I yeah. want to make a pitch. Yeah, make a, okay, make a pitch right down the middle. So, both of these films are very tightly connected. Uh, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and there's a third movie. In in this order, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and there's a third movie called House by the Cemetery. I don't have a whole lot to say about House by the Cemetery, but I'll get there in a second. Um, City of the Living Dead feels very much like a dry run for The the Beyond for a lot of people. Um, What are they called? They're called as Gates of Hell trilogy. It's kind of like it's kind of like Carpenter's uh, Apocalypse trilogy. Unconnected, but the same type of, like feeling of of hopelessness yes and it's also clearly inspired by uh this movie the beyond or the, the beyond came out um a few years after um uh, argento's inferno which expanded suspiria's uh 
ethos out to a broader there's 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 the three mothers these three uh witches that are i guess sort of um uh, tendrils of satan and uh each movie is sort of about a different mother the suspiria remake actually kind of expands this mythos even more but anyways um it, it reminds me of that trilogy as well um the argento trilogy the suspiria trilogy because it's sort of like here's one uh, extrapolation of this this concept of evil. So there's the book of uh, there's the book of Enoch in uh, City of the Living Dead, which in- uh, you might not know this though. Uh, actually, isn't Enoch in or what's the one in uh, the Beyond? In the Beyond, it's the book of Avon, which and both of them are anagrams for the Bible, which yeah. some took me a while to figure out. They're they're not anag- yeah they're not anagrams they're not they're not they're missing um, tons of letters they're it's interesting because Necronomicon is also an anagram for the Bible uh, you just have to drop all the letters and then add the letters B I B L E well I thought Necronomicon was actually the Bible backwards. these books are kind of tie the three movies together but they're pretty unconnected in terms of actual lore other than the fact that they're kind of lovecraftian uh i think that and aaron correct me if i'm wrong i think this episode as well as the martyrs episode is our episodes where we have to pitch you on why these are lovecraft movies because these are not typically associated with him um and they're not typically associated with cosmic horror uh in the same yeah I mentioned so I remember the Beyond being again had been thirteen years since I had watched it. I had remembered the Beyond being described as Lovecraftian. It comes up on Lovecraftian lists. Besides, it's, it's in Lurker in the Lobby. Yeah, it gets, it gets a sideways reference where they're basically like, uh, it drops a few references, but that's about it. But I, I think we, we'll be able to expand on that. Well, actually, I'm interested in your pitch to me as well because I I actually think. Rewatching both of these beyond like references to Dunwich and a few other like Lovecraft name drops, uh, and just the idea of I don't know like a piece of knowledge in these books that people are gaining, which again is is not a more tenuous than our Martyrs episode. These didn't feel particularly Lovecraftian to me. So my pitch for this is yes, there's there's sideways references. Uh, they're in City of the Living Dead. Um, the, the town is literally named Dunwich. Um, the book of uh, Enoch in uh, the Beyond is actually a reference to a Clark Ashton Smith book, which is another um, uh, weird uh, weird fiction guy who was a corollary of Lovecraft's. Um, but but the the reason that these are when you first watch them, they're like, well, it's not really Lovecrafty. It's because the monsters in them aren't typically associated with Lovecraft. We associate zombies with viral and Infections, and we associate them with Judeo-Christian versions of uh, heaven and hell. They use the terminology of heaven and hell. They use a Judeo-Christian terminology. I think the primary argument for why these are Lovecraftian is actually uh, something that the movie does unintentionally. So a lot of these Italian movies are kind of um, can be confusing in terms of plot. Uh, they can be uh, seem like they're just a bunch of set pieces jammed together. Things seem to happen out of nowhere. Um, and then at the end, it comes to this big dramatic conclusion, and you're not really sure what the implications of the conclusion are. Um, and I think, yeah, Aaron, if this was your, if the Beyond was your first Italian horror movie, that would be uh, pretty confusing. Yeah, well, and both of these movies end the same way. 
Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, one of which is uh, certain ways that these movies have been cut over time to cut out exposition scenes and just leave in the, the you know, the nudity and the violence or cut down the violence, which sometimes makes scenes way more confusing in terms of like where characters are. Uh, also, the dubbing is a big part. Italian dubbing makes these scenes more confusing. Um, the history of dubbing basically uh, goes back to fascist regime, regimes in the 20s and 30s. Mussolini uh, was a didn't like the idea of Italian culture being diluted, so he uh, had any any movie coming to the country had to go through this like cinema board, and they needed to be re. Uh, dubbed into Italian um, after they were approved, of course, to make sure there was nothing within the imagery that could be construed as, you know, uh, communist or uh, against the, the the fascist regime. And then also um, there were actual government representatives there during the recording of audio <laughs> to make sure people weren't recording um Filmmakers weren't recording, uh, 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 you know, progressive or uh, left-leaning commentary into their movies. So you weren't really allowed to record audio on set. Everything had to be do- done later. And then the industry—that's that's why that's why they're all like when you watch a dubbed like Godzilla movie. It's like, oh, they're speaking a different language. This one's the Italian things are a little weirder because they are speaking English for the most part, and none of the words match. Yes. For some reason, that's a little. That's almost as a as a film goer myself, and someone who watched like dub Godzilla movies at a very young age. uh, For some reason, this was more difficult to get my head wrapped around. It's like, why doesn't it line up? And then then it's so much like more noticeable about how things don't quite match, like the way their their voice sounds, and like I don't know. The the whole thing uh, took a little bit for me to get used to. Uh, not just with the Beyond. I mean, I again have probably seen a couple dozen of these uh, Italian dubbed horror movies by now, um, and you know, even even sometimes now they're funny in the way that they're dubbed. But it was a little bit like oh, I just don't like it. Yeah, it's it's disorienting. So a lot yeah. of these guys after after uh, World War II ended, um, and those sort of uh, fascistic bo- film boards went away over the years. Um, People stuck with this sort of production model. You record yeah. on set. You probably aren't recording audio on set, even though you could. And then later, you just dub it in. And, and, and directors just got used to this. Like, that's just how the things were. And now Italian movies don't do that. Like, it's, it's just part of the deal. But anyways. Um, now it's lead- all Pope all the time. <laughs> all two the, Popes. Two young po- Pope. New Pope. I just, don't, I just don't think that we need. I don't think we can get by with one Pope. I think the world is too big. I think one pope was good for a smaller world population, but two popes we can cover we can cover like what three and a half billion people each. I wish Doctor Seuss was still alive because I feel like there's a great follow up to one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Just simple: <laughs> one pope, two pope, red pope, blue pope. <laughs> and it'll be like um, it'll be like uh, uh, medieval times, and we get to root for you know your blue pope or your red pope team. Well, it's kind of like we are now, right? Like, we're like, the the new Pope, it's like, he's like, global warming's real. We're like, yeah, this guy's crazy. He's like, but gay people, bad. Ah, fuck. We <laughs> thought we had a good Pope. Remember we That's we what we cool need. Pope I don't need a new Pope. I don't need a young Pope. I don't need two Popes. I need a good Pope. <laughs> P-Y-P. For the young Pope. <laughs> you just want a, you want a really young Pope. I want, I want baby Pope. You want baby boss, but he's the Pope. 
Yeah. I haven't seen any baby boss material. Do you think he would be a good a good P? Well, let me tell you something. As someone who's seen the the baby boss movie 30 to 40 times, yeah, I think uh He's got a good uh, head for like corporate overlordism, uh, voiced by Alec Baldwin. I think that that's got Pope written all over it. It's a power voice. It's a power yeah. voice. So uh, the dubbing. Here is the my way- body. Here is my blood. <laughs> <laughs> you little pig face. What did he call his yeah. daughter in that one tape? Something pig. Yeah. <laughs> you you awful little pig. I you know that's I love those celebrity like kids who are like oh hey uh. Sucks that my dad fucking insulted me and called me names, but guess what, idiot? You're a celebrity, and you left me the message, so I got the greatest revenge. What if you have to apologize to the country? Not just me. The whole country. Yeah. Fuck you, dad. Because at that point, you can't – they can't get away with just – you know, saying sorry and, you know, I don't know, just being a decent person for a couple years. I don't know how dads apologize. Um, Yeah. They can't do that. They have to. The whole country became Alec Baldwin's daughter that day. Yeah, and he and he really and he really has to act sorry because if like he does a fake public apology and apologize to his daughter, and then the next day says something like, you know, normally you'd be like, well, I'm going to tell mom. Now you'd be like, well, I'm going to tell fucking Morlene Safer and the rest of the sixty minutes crew (laughs) if you don't uh, show some contrition. Morally and safer. I don't think that that ref has been dropped on the show yet. For some reason, the first uh, news magazine person who came into my head. (laughs) It's it's so specific. Uh, We got Hugh Downs. You got Stone Phillips. Barbara Walters. I got Babs in my in my mind at all times, though. You got Babs. Yeah, I got Uh, Babs. The fact that these films are so disorienting and sort of alienating, and, and and can have a sort of strange, deliberate, sort of alien dream like pacing uh fulci actually said um that he wanted this to essentially have the uh dream logic um that he didn't want this to necessarily be a um a straight ahead realistic thriller or uh you know because he 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 never really succeeded in making a straight <laughs> thriller. That's his gonzo nature would not allow it. Um, but he never. But the um, the the gonzo ness of it is leads me closer to my point of it being Lovecraftian. So the fact that we're confused isn't isn't just because like the fact that we're confused isn't an isolated idea. The protagonists are all confused as well. The protagonists just kind of have to keep pushing forward through this horror uh and even as they're pushing through in the finale when they're in the boss chamber so to speak and they have to perform some sort of action to move forward they don't really know what they're doing they don't know the implications of what they're doing and any wins that they get are only temporary something horrific will happen they they, the the disempowerment that the audience feels by not being able to get a good grasp on the story sort of uh partially unintended weirdness and partially intended because fulci wanted to make these sort of nightmare vision movies without real uh you know rational logic uh pushes it into this this uh lovecraftian space because we as mere humans cannot comprehend what is happening and even our protagonists share that point of view it's not like we're watching uh, a movie where a bunch of people are performing rituals and they know exactly what they're doing. We're watching, essentially, dumb people 
stumbling through things that are much, much larger than them, unable to understand them, and just maybe glancing by into a small victory before the the evil forces overpower them. So you've, you've sold me conceptually. And, like, I guess in actuality. Like, I buy that. Because, um, I mean, the one thing I wrote about the Beyond was that it's very clearly – Fulci's very clearly going for a almost, like, proto-Lynchian dream, dreamy movie, right? He's clearly going from that in every scene and, like, these kind of, like – long takes and like these and that moment where he just keeps there's a the the emily is running out the door and it's just playing that back over and over again and liza is just thinking about that moment that feels like yeah proto lynch or he's pulling from like art film yeah so i think he's going for dreamlike in the beyond i will say the balance tips too far into him being unsuccessful at a lot of those dreamlike moments and it becomes less uh, enrapturing, like uh, like a Lynch movie, where you're just kind of caught up in this like dreamlike state, and kind of becomes just sort of boring at points. Like, I'm actually with you on Act Two of The Beyond. I, I think we might land in the same place. I think the first act of The Beyond is amazing. The third act is pretty I, wonderful, and then the middle is like a slog. I don't know. That whole hospital scene is, like, interminable in its length. Oh, really? I, that's the part where I, I – we'll get to it. But, yeah, I, yeah. I get back on, on board at some point in the beyond in the third act, basically. Yeah, and again, it is it is punctuated by, like, moments I really like. But, again, even rewatching City of the Living Dead, like, I love the opening. I love some of the early priest appearances and stuff like that. Uh, but I feel it has, a, it has moments, too, where I'm like, yeah – get on you can get on with it a little um uh the i i bet you could guess between these two movies my most like get on with it moment you have you have to know (laughs) hold on uh give me a give me a movie sorry okay the beyond uh get on with it is it the is it the spider moment Oh no! Sp- spiders could go on forever. I like I like how they keep making that worse and worse. Like that's that's my that's my shit. Where you like you drag uh, on like this. Spiders coming, spiders coming, scary. Spiders on you, scary. Ooh, spiders, uh, kind of biting your cheek, scary. Ooh, uh, spiders pulling off your cheek, very scary. Spider wet in your mouth to pull out your tongue, like. <laughs> Like I love it. That that's great. Like I bet I can guess. Okay, let me let me let me let me figure out the moment. Um, <laughs> is it the uh, the the uh, acid on the face in the hospital? No, that's good. Why, stop picking the good moments. <laughs> you're like you're literally the parts that I like the most. You are picking. I wasn't sure what kind if if it crossed some sort Internal, of line. Internal. No. You. No. Yeah, crossed up. Well, that, you're like, no. all right, this is this this isn't funny anymore. Almost this- any time when gory shit is happening for any Fulci movie, I'm into it. That is what he excels at is like finding inventive ways to like, uh, yeah, like I mean that's why people like Zombie Two, right? Like Zombie Two is definitely not a great movie, 
But it's like, he had, like, I still am not entirely sure how he had that zombie fight that shark. (laughs) Um, It's magic. You watch that and you're like, okay, it's a real shark. It's a real guy. Like, how is this happening? And Um, I still, I I still think there's a lot of eye violence in this movie. And I don't think anything touches the moment in Zombie 2 where the splinter through the eye, the slow splinter, nothing touches that for me. No, but even this one, he's like, I've done the splinter. I got it. What if the eye violence comes from the back of the eye? <laughs> You're like, why is that less scary for me? Yeah, but he, I mean, he's very like, I I really appreciate his uh, inventiveness. So no. So what is the, the what is it? It is the part where uh, the um, her her friend who can't see, who's blind. I forget mm-hmm. her name. Emily. Emily, who you find out is actually like one of the zombies who's come to like put everything in motion and she gets caught and she's like in the corner with her dog and there's just zombies standing in this room for three or four minutes and no one is moving and she is against the wall going please oh please oh don't oh no oh please oh stay away stay no one is moving it goes on like that for two straight minutes and then finally she sends it it's like the zombies are standing still you could have walked out like I understand you can't see but (laughs) but like walked out <laughs> yeah, you could have walked out. No one. Yeah, I mean, Audrey Hepburn you... and, and, uh, and yeah, should have just walked out of that apartment, lady. Hey, Audrey you know Hepburn. Where the could... front door is? Yeah, You'll Audrey Hepburn could get all around that apartment. She's just in the back of the corner. No, she can hear. Is anyone moving? No, there's no sound. <laughs> the zombies are standing there, and it goes on forever. And like, I liked the like pleading, "Don't send me back." But there's also like 90 straight seconds of, "Oh no, oh please, okay." Stay away. That's a dubbing thing where the I know. Where the director was like, we need an 11 on intensity, even though this moment would call for something lower, something more existential. Or just like, more, what have I done? I don't yeah. want to go. But yeah, that's ultimately it, what that's yeah. ultimately what I gets get. me back from the from uh, from the beyond and city of the living dead is certain performances and certain scenes. Because I'm like, so, it's so I'm, interminable. I'm like, like it goes on forever. I'm like, this performance is so it good. Is. Yeah. Uh, the, the the physical performance is so good. The, the 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 way that this is shot is so good. Like, if if the vocal performer had given me fifteen percent of what she gave me, or you know, a completely different thing, the scene would really work well. Because like, I think I think yeah. a mute, a, there's a lot of scenes where a mute version of the scene, like just. Uh, just the imagery, a silent movie version of the scene would be terrifying because he loves to play with color. He loves gloopiness. He loves these long, dread-filled shots. And I, I want to talk about that really quickly because this movie, uh, these movies, The Void, which we uh, we covered already this month, uh, is a similar thing where uh, Lovecraft was about atmosphere over action. And... Uh, these two movies are essentially saying, I'm, I want to nail that atmosphere. I want to keep that slow, dread, dreamy nature of a lot of Lovecraft works. But I also want to have action beats because this is a film. It's a visual medium. People want to see monster transformations. People want to see characters go through the gateway into hell. People want to see combat laid out in a way that that's uh, viscerally exciting and has the blood and guts, right? Like that's that's uh, the director saying I'm ad- I'm going to adapt how Lovecraft made me feel 
but I'm not writing a story. I'm making a film and film is a visual medium needs movement. Yeah. These, I mean, these movies make a really good case for someone redubbing them all. Um, which I've heard, I've heard, side note, I've heard House by the Cemetery is a famously bad dub because the little boy is like the, whoever dubbed the little boy. I think it's a grown woman. (laughs) Um, it was just common in animation. Uh, gives the most <laughs> annoying performance in all of horror cinema and i think they actually like went back and found a different dub or something for well, I or, guess or they, I mean, they went back and found the italian the italian dub and used that for house by the cemetery and it's apparently pretty good yeah i mean either find the italian dubs or like i don't have any like oh george lucas is tinkering with star wars feelings about like someone going and redubbing a movie with better actors like when it's already a dub as it exists now like i Just don't give us both give us the option of both right yeah like these performances that we're hearing are already not the performances that were that were shot like they're i do think these movies could improve from just someone going back in with a different cast and redubbing them sure don't burn the other versions but like in the same way, like, I do like when Criterion has released them or when they previously, like, I like being able to have the Godzilla subs and dubs. Like, the Godzilla subs always are made for a better movie because there's a lot of really good vocal performances and stuff like that. But there is also, like, a specific goofiness from the poor quality of the dubbing that I associate and enjoy. So I'm not – if 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 those kind of, like, bad dubs are an integral part of your enjoyment of Italian horror movies, like, great. But it is one of those things where, man, I know how you could push this into, like, three, three and a half star to, like, four, four and a half star. Like, don't make these moments that are kind of like, ugh, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that also, not all dubs are bad, right? Like, plenty of, uh, plenty of Argento's fact, movies. All- uh, animated movies are dubbed. <laughs> well, it, basically the way it worked for... Let's talk about the two most famous uh, Italian directors. Well, not the two most famous. The two most famous Italian genre directors. Fellini is probably the most famous Italian director, right? Leone? But yeah, Leone and uh, Dario Argento. Let's say the two most famous genre guys. Top of horror, top of westerns, dash crime All movies. Right. You you talk about them. I'm going to try to prove you wrong. <laughs> um, those two guys... Uh, shot in a method that where they recorded the audio of English speaking actors when there were English speaking actors and they recorded the uh, they would basically let actors speak whatever language they could right uh, they, yeah. didn't make, they didn't make them speak a different language if it didn't sound natural and they let them speak another thing and then they would dub the parts that needed to be dubbed but with a lot of these other Italian directors they would just say that because of uh, production time and the cost associated for a million reasons, they would say, OK, we're just going to dub it all. Um, and sometimes they would get the original actor back. Sometimes they wouldn't. Yeah. But that's why Leone movies, particularly like Good, Bad and the Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West, they actually recorded the Americans doing American audio and they recorded the Germans doing German audio and all of that. Um, and then they came back around in Argento. That's why some of his movies don't have this sort of disorienting dubbing effect is because he didn't need to dub the English actors and we speak English. So he just took the original performances or he had the original actors come back and record their performances and uh they they were good actors the first time they can 
presumably do a good job the second time too yeah uh at least then you have a little bit more of the things match type stuff but anyways uh yeah i think we should get into it so let's end our month uh talking about some fun goopy gory uh effects and uh some zombies and occasionally a book you shouldn't read don't read it peter do you want to talk about the beyond and city of the living dead i'd love to Gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. Gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. Hey, Peter, let's do some uh, plot recaps. You want to do a uh, plot recap for The Beyond? I do, Peter. Not from Beyond. Not from Beyond the Grave. Not from Bed Bath and Beyond. Not okay, Reanimator. Okay, so you beyond. go down aisle one. Lotion. Aisle two. Lotion. <laughs> Aisle three. Lotion. Aisle four. Uh, squeegees? Wait, not squeegees. Lufas? Squeegees. Squeegees? Yeah. Like, like a... Uh, it's weird what do you, you call... don't pronounce anything right. What do you call the things that are on the string that are like a sponge? So on a rope? A... No. Uh, Lufas. It's a loofah, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I only I only watch the factor, so I always call him a falafel. <laughs> I don't old. understand any of those references except for I think I know what falafel is. Uh, the factor, Peter, the O'Reilly factor, and if you remember, he said some he got a loofah and a falafel mixed up when he was sexually harassing. <laughs> Uh, one of his co-workers. That's very weird you mentioned O'Reilly because I was going to make a joke about uh, <laughs> don't read the seven books to open the gates of hell and then you'd be like, which books? And I'd be like, Killing Lincoln. books that Bill Killing O'Reilly Kennedy. wrote. <laughs> Killing Jesus. Jesus he wrote Christ. all those books. Yeah, um, he, wrote, he wrote a book about killing Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm assuming he was against it, but um, he still wrote it. He's one of those. He's one of those Vatican one one people, right? Oh, I don't know. Mel Gibson is though. Yeah, I feel like Mel Gibson and Bill O'Reilly would get along. So that all like that all checks out. They have a lot out. to talk about. They have a lot in common. Yeah, N- not good stuff. It's not like oh, you paint, I also paint. Like oh, you think <laughs> the Jews are controlling everything? Me too. What do you think about women? Thumbs down. Ah, best buds. You picked painting as a. It's a very funny example. <laughs> Well, that doesn't cause harm. Yeah. I mean, that's, Unlike that's, those that's two, the long-running joke is that only if Hitler harm. had kept painting, we oh. would have been all right. Yeah, that was accidental. But uh, let's just say I was cleverer than I was. Got it. Um, Can I say that? Okay, yeah. So, the beyond. Uh, so, yeah, great opening scene. Kind of like in the sepia tone where uh, this hotel... Uh, all of a sudden, some people come in and they walk up to this guy and they're like, we don't like you. So they crucify him to a wall, uh, put put nails in him, and then they kind of cement over the wall in this hotel. Uh, 13 years later, it's that guy's daughter, right, that inherits it? Or is that unrelated? Um, I was paying attention to that the entire movie and I couldn't catch on. So she inherited it from a dead uncle. Yeah, who I think is the guy... But why did it take 13 years to read the will? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's weird. And it's 60 years since the crucifixion dash melty. 
Oh, 60 years. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And then there's... So it took um, place in, like, the 20s, and this movie takes place in 1980 or whatever. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, she comes back, and she inherits this hotel, and she starts calling people to, like, check out the fixings and the plumbing of the hotel, and immediately these people run into zombie creatures. Wait, hold on. Can um, I pause you real quick? Sure. Um... It, real quick, if, if if you guys want to hear a musical version of the recap for this movie, uh, the band Europe that wrote the song Final Countdown went ahead and did it for you. They wrote a musical recap of the Beyond? They, they It's not quite a beat for beat recap, but they saw the Beyond, they loved it, and then they wrote a song called like Horror Hotel or something that's all <laughs> about this, and they're like, Seven Gates of Hell! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I interrupted you, but I needed to know. No, that, it's fine, and it's got to show. Well, well we can play it, edit, right? Yeah, it'll show up. But you're editing, so yeah, yeah throw it in the end. If you if you skip past a couple minutes, you can hear uh, the final countdown, guys. I just it. needed you to know that because it's it's like hair a hair metal version of uh of the plot of this movie, more or less. Anyways, yeah. So there's seven gates of hell, uh, or seven doors of hell. Excuse me. Well, there's gates and there's doors. I mean. They're very similar, right? There's a what's, thing that goes What's swingy. the deal with gates and doors? Just have one word for them. <laughs> you had a little David Schwimmer in your in your Jerry Seinfeld. Did I? Yeah, just a little bit. Only one of them dated a high school kid. This might be... Um, <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know, Schwimmer was always swimming upstream, <laughs> not downstream. Which, in this joke means that he was dating high school people um so yeah anyways uh when she's doing re- uh renovation she accidentally opens the portal to hell uh so they all basically all of the workers die it's very anti-worker um <laughs> and uh also it's uh, room 36 like, uh, the uh atlas shrugged of horror movies that is <laughs> anti-worker uh, just go in the go in the mud <laughs> um so also room 36 there's some shit going on so Liza's this person's name she encounters a blind woman named emily uh who's like don't open the hotel don't do it a lot of things start happening then they start finding like bodies the housekeeper finds a the the janitor's body in the morgue uh so they bring them to like the doctors and they're getting autopsies and bad things happen there the doctor uh gets killed do you think these spiders. bodies are a wonderland? Not these bodies, Peter. Thank you. They're, they're a horror show. <laughs> Your body is a horror show. <laughs> um, so she discovers this book, Elbin, and she like sees it in bookstores and stuff like that. And she's like, I think there's something going on. So they get the uh, her and her lawyer friend or whatever tracks down um, the blueprints and... A lot of corpses keep popping up, and then finally Liza has a mental breakdown when she thinks Arthur's corpse tries to kill her, and everyone's like, the doctor, and everyone's like, you're crazy, you need to go here. But of course, she wasn't crazy, and all the corpses start attacking at the hotel for 30 minutes, and then, uh, so they, uh, you find out that uh, Emily has actually been working with the, with, with the people from hell. To uh, get make sure that Liza gets the book and does everything, um, and you and Liza finally like shows that everything's falling apart and things aren't going to end well when uh, her 
her like uh, arms start getting almost like the stigmata of blood. Emily had had that earlier and you didn't know what was going on. But they essentially go back into the hotel. They finally get into room 36 and it's like this empty void. Uh, and they walk into it and they're like, oh no, things are bad now. Uh, and that's basically the end of the movie. Yeah, things are bad now. Uh, Aaron, do you want me to recap City of the Living Dead real quick? Yeah, let's do City of the Living Dead. And then we'll just talk about whatever we want to. We'll just we'll just be bebopping and scatting. And yeah, we'll zigzag. Um, so and then when we get bored with that, we'll zug. Uh, we'll zig, zag, and zug. Zig, zag, zug. Um, you're a mean Did you one. fall? What just happened? <laughs> no, I Did you saying... zig? Did you actually do like a zigzag motion with your body and fall off your chair, Peter? Absolutely. I'm not, I, I, I'll take a pratfall. <laughs> yeah. The things that work <laughs> well on this uh, podcast are pratfalls. Yeah. <laughs> All physical comedy. If you want to see a video of me doing the pratfall, please go in the show notes and open up the Mediafire file that I have encoded inside there. Within that Mediafire file, you will find several files that you should not look at. One. Are you talking to the audience or me? Uh, this is for the audience. It's just instructions. Oh, good, because so I, start, I started tuning out. <laughs> Hopefully our audience didn't, though. Since uh, you were talking to them, it would be very rude. No, I was doing zigzag zug to the tune uh, stink, stank, stunk. <laughs> oh, dun, dun, dun. You're a mean <laughs> one, <laughs> Mr. Priest. <laughs> there's, a, there's a priest. He is... Presumably sad, but I feel like he's doing this to do some evil. Uh, He commits suicide on consecrated ground in the town. Do you you think he's doing it for evil or he was possessed to do it by evil? Uh, I think he's I think the way that they make his face iconographic for all this evil uh, implies to me that this priest was up to no good. Yeah, that was the easiest buy in ever. Oh, an evil priest. Yeah. Sold. I bet you back in the day, yeah, people more connected it with like exorcist. Like maybe this priest, just a demon got into him and made him do this thing. But also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're going to make a blood sacrifice, which this movie begins with, as well as uh, the beyond begins with, yep. um, it's uh, more meaningful if it's uh, uh, freely offered as opposed to uh, non-consensual. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, but well, the one, also, the one in the Beyond also is not Fulci, consensual. Yeah, well, in Fulci, too, like, uh, he, like, spoilers for Don't Torture a Duckling, uh, evil priests are a big part of that one, too. Yeah, he It's almost like the these Catholic Italians church. were like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Italian movies who are, that are basically just, uh, hey, uh, being Catholic's kind of weird, huh? Yeah, uh, it's uh, kind of like they're evil. Yeah. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever think they're evil and creepy and we give them a lot of power and they run a city? They're on our money. Anyone would think this is weird. I just got a big golden city with money that could have gone to poor people. And they yeah, just, somehow have just a country a big, inside our country. Yeah. They have a big fucking opulent golden city from the guy whose like main message was don't own shit (laughs) (laughs) the guy who literally made everyone give up all their shit yeah it's like yeah but like if you hang with me long enough bros (laughs) you're gonna see some uh not just their shit he's like he's like go tell your mom to fuck himself Go tell your dad to fuck himself. Go tell your family to fuck himself. Leave all your friends. 
come hang with me. That's the only way to God. Throw your, quit your jobs. Throw, you don't, you know that boat? Sink that boat. Hey, all, all, that like, fi- all that fish that's in your net right now, tell that throw fish it to away. fuck itself. Yeah. Why are you trying to catch fish? God will provide. It's like, what? Could he be providing by making, having a net that I'm, no, <laughs> not how he's providing. I'm going to do some tricks later. Throw everything away. The Deuces. fact that you're wearing clothes is only because uh, we live in a very, very regressive time. So, and then, and then the Italians, like two thousand years later, are like, "What if we owned everything and no <laughs> had all the power too? We could do anything: crimes, murders, all of it. Pope crime, pope crime, two popes, two popes, two twice the crime." <laughs> <laughs> um is this so, a new crime yep can only mean one thing must be a new pope god um so city of the living dead a pope uh, a pope he's not a pope, pope. he's just a oh. standard old standard old priest they um, should do it with they should do one of these evil priests but it's the pope oh that's the actual pope never mind i don't even know if he's a pastor <laughs> I think he's just like a standard, just run-of-the-mill priest. Um, well, the pastor's just means he like he doesn't have any cool shirt. extra robes. He has the collar yeah, that's, and a black you're, shirt. You're getting, you you were raised Catholic. There's, pastor's not a thing. It goes priest, monsignor, bishop, uh, pope, no, or cardinal, we, pope. No, our ch- churches had pastors within our designation. That just meant they were in charge of the church. But yeah. that's not like a designate. That's like a like they are a priest. Their job was pastor of the church. Yes, but they had special robes to signify when they were walking around in my diocese. They had special, uh, what, what, what are they called? It's like a band that goes on the outside of their shirt. Uh, I don't know. The tube top? Yeah, they wore tube tops <laughs> to signify that they were the pastor. Ooh, I'm the pastor. Yeah. Spring break. Spring break. Uh, but yeah. Pastors are just it's 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 middle management shit. They're like, all right, you're no longer a senior. You're no longer a junior director. Now no, you're it's a associate senior pastor. junior director. Because yeah. <laughs> either he's either associate pastor or pastor. If he's if he's running a church, otherwise, yeah. I think he's just a priest. It's bureau- bureaucratic nonsense. Um, but anyways, so the uh the priest, standard run of the mill, goofball priest. Commit suicide on consecrated ground, which acts as a blood <laughs> sacrifice, which opens up a gate to hell. So, uh, in this town, chaos starts ensuing. There's earthquakes. There's maggot storms. There's what do we what do we got in this movie? There's there's zombies popping rats. around, murdering people. Bats, rats, rats, and bats. Cats. Bats. Presumably, there's cats there. I don't there's know if it has anything to do cats. with hell. There's, they are, there are cats. I don't know if it has anything to do with the hell, but I think there's cats there in Dunwich. You remember the cat? Yeah. Who like who like scratches one of the people in therapy and leaves like a tiger claw. claw oh, that's mark. true. That's true. It's got super yeah. <laughs> super demon claws. Uh, no, the cat's thing- never done that. And they're like, it's fine. It's like, I don't think it's fine. I- <laughs> that your whole hand has Hard been mauled. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you should go to a doctor. That's not like, oh, I got a little scratch. Like, you need probably 20 to 30 stitches. (laughs) So it's nice to have a Lovecraft story. Usually in Lovecraft stories, we're uh, we're tasked with um, someone who's reasonably smart. uh, Usually it's a scientist, a doctor, um, but, uh, you know, a, a learned person. Um, in the original yep. Lovecraft story, he's always a learned man. Um, 
And yeah. this, we're tasked with dummies who can't figure anything out. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of both movies. Yeah, it's true. We're, we've got big old dummies, and even by the end of the movie, they're just like, "Oh shit, I'm blind now." <laughs> this sucks. Oh. <laughs> what does this, this mean? This does have early on in this movie does have one of my favorite contrasts. It's when that I forget his name, the weird, creepy guy, goes into that abandoned house, whatever, and he like oh, looks yeah. and he sees a blow up doll, and you're like, "Oh, okay." And then he looks down, and there's a dead baby corpse that is rotting with maggots. It's like, okay, funny. Little abandoned house, little blow-up doll. Oh, it's a dead baby being eaten by maggots. Less funny. I Although I do think uh, Blow-Up Dolls and Dead Babies was my favorite Lords of Acid album. So. <laughs> We're never getting to this recap, are we? Uh, so, uh, we it's are... the same as the Beyond. Just substitute some stuff. We're introduced to, uh, I mean, they have an actor in common, Catriona McCall, uh, who is sort of a Italian horror movie, uh, I don't want to say diva. Is that is that the, like, what's... Diva. The, I'm associating now all Italian horror with opera. Um, I'm only, I'm only going to star in horror movies in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a diva. God. It's like, uh, what is it? Royalty. She's a she's a Italian horror royalty. She's in both of them, which probably makes this more confusing. But uh, she is uh, playing a psychic um, who is uh, seeing these insane, awful visions that literally drive her into a deep, deep coma that everyone consumes her, assumes she's dead. Uh, so she's being buried alive when uh, all of a sudden a reporter who's looking into something maybe the death of the priest i don't know the reporter is in town uh looking into these events and uh he uh, rescues her from being buried alive and they go on a series of there's events a series of events uh, there are events it's a series of events i'm not going to say can't, they're connected yeah. but they do they can't st- deny it stuff try to deny it <laughs> i things if happen you, if you come at either mine or peter's face and say events did not happen in this movie we're gonna say fuck you buddy <laughs> they totally did i'll list events i'll use the chapter titles as as that research but i will list events um but the the um Sorry. So the, these two go to investigate uh, happenings in the town. They are joined by uh, the, the woman's uh, psychiatrist. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, they also have a anymore. weird like group therapy session, but like not like where they're together, where they're giving therapy, and then someone wanders in and just goes, "How is that?" and then has a conversation. <laughs> I knew you'd call that out because I also called that out. I was like, so someone is getting giving apparently very deep therapy i love movie therapy where like you can go in for five minutes and then you're like (laughs) thanks doc i'm not mad at my dad anymore (laughs) um and then or 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 where the therapist just kind of calls you a liar (laughs) like that happens in this i mean it's not that like if you're telling a lie in therapy but he's like and i remember it like this oh are you sure that happened (laughs) yeah you sure bro sure that's why I'm talking about it. Therapy. Pixar didn't happen, bro. Sounds Oops. crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, she just, just a random woman walks into the middle of the therapy, and everyone's fine. And, and goes it. walks up to the desk and like grabs the notes on the desk and is like, "What are you guys talking about here?" 
Oh, love- she tell you that one story again? I love the part where that woman says they're having a normal conversation and then all of a sudden she goes hard and she's like, I don't believe those people who say that our ancestors were Salem witch burners. And you're like, yeah. I, no one no one was talking about that. I know like you had to get that exposition line in, but you went really hard and then you were like, okay, anyways, I'll see you at the cafe later. Um, yeah, I do think describing these movies is tough because it's yeah. like, yeah, there was, there's the lady who's stuck in the grave. Right? And then yeah. she like screams for a while. <laughs> and, and like for like a while. There's a lot of screaming. So much screaming in these movies. And then this guy like is about to walk away and you think that she's died. And then she gives one black last uh, breath and he's walked closer to the grave because he thought he might hear something. And then his way to get him out is like take a pickaxe and like oh this is where the face will be i'm gonna hit it three times (laughs) make sure i get the face and she's like you didn't get the face and he's like thank god ah (laughs) like in a coffin right also pry open the coffin pry open the coffin or hypothetically if you need to use a pickaxe i can just say that like you it's true you might not know which end is which but there's uh, as a result, don't go with the ends because there's a 50 50 shot could be a head in there. And then and you if would you never hit, if know you if hit, there was actually a person alive in there because you murdered them. If you. Yeah. Well, I don't I mean, you probably would get get uh, off with it scot free. Right. Yeah. <laughs> legally, you, they are dead. Legally, you might get some like property destruction, but you're not going to get like kill them with a pickaxe i'm I'm gonna say you're never welcome back at that particular cemetery again. yeah you gotta find new cemeteries to hang out with and hope the cemetery people on duty don't talk oh absolutely don't have like a never never serve kind of like like at all costcos you can get kicked out <laughs> you're saying like a, a big cemetery like corporate cemetery oh yeah corporate cemeteries are the worst <laughs> i gotta buy a membership if you get banned from a corporate cemetery, you can't get buried anywhere. They just have to throw your body in the river. Every time you walk out from there, like, do you want to donate $3 to help pets? Like, no! I, I just want to see Uncle Gary. He died <laughs> in the war. Uh, um, it is kind of weird that you just pay a lump sum and then you just get, like, a hole in the ground forever. Yeah, I mean... I'm not saying you should pay rent for the thing. I'm saying it's just weird. No, you want to be able to own your hole. (laughs) Like you, you you can't make any more money. I understand. I'm not saying you should pay rent. I'm just saying it's weird that people pay for a hole in the ground. I do think that, like, do you think they do like uh, figure out who has relatives that are likely to survive, and then eventually just like churn and burn the properties? Oh, absolutely. We'll dig. We'll dig that guy out. Throw him away. They were doing. It's been. They were doing this years. in Chicago. There was an there was a cemetery that like the eventually they basically mapped like well we haven't had a visitor through I don't know if they put up cameras or something they were like we haven't had a visitor through the gates uh, on any of these particular lots in X time or for some reason they basically like one day the gates were closed and then they started digging out sections to resell to people and then reburied people that were from there's this weird presumption that you own that hole in the ground forever. Yeah, I mean, that's capitalism, though. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone should be cremated. Yeah. Cremation. <laughs> yeah. And then mix all our ashes together, 
And then we can learn that, you know, you and I are not so different. Yeah. I like my donuts like I like my bodies. Cream, cream something. (laughs) Cream filled or cremated? Uh, You just, they start with cream. Yeah, they just, it's the both words start with cream. You could also say it goes into your coffee. Cremation sounds a lot more delicious than it is, doesn't it? Cremation. (laughs) Cremation sounds like what my parents do with their half and half. <laughs> you guys cremate this? <laughs> you gotta pasteurize it. You gotta homogenize it. You gotta cremate it. That's how you get good cream. And my mom's like, Your father wants to be turned into diamonds. Don't bring it up again. Also, could be a weird sex thing. <laughs> oh, this one says cremation. That's the kind I like. Yeah. Uh, also, my dad wants to turn into someone named Diamonds. <laughs> Not Dustin. Uh, anyway, so they uh, go around. They go around Dunwich. Uh, zombies tearing people's brains out, like maggots, lots of brains squeezing. Rats. Maggot storm. I wrote maggot storm, and it takes up like half my note page. Yeah, maggot storm is so good. I also like the person who throws up her entire digestive tract slowly through her mouth. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. And also uh, that poor, poor lady. It goes on for quite. I mean, because first I'm she has esophagus and stomach. Yeah. So that's an amazing Lovecraft moment while we're there, in case we we move on. That's an amazing Lovecraft moment where usually people go irrevocably insane or they have a heart attack and die or they, um, they, uh, you know, go into a coma or something, which happens to one of the characters. They see the the main character. She sees something and goes into a coma. This person sees the the, uh, cosmic horror entity and just her eyes freeze her eye and they start bleeding and then she just starts vomiting out everything inside of her rib cage it's amazing it's so good um and i guess like so yeah this has a very similar ending right like there's a convergence they realize that they uh because essentially uh the city of the living dead is this place where the apocalypse is gonna start right like where hell is gonna seep out and uh all of our little disparate characters who who survive end up there and they basically like walk into these catacombs and zombies rise and it's almost like a similar shot we're at the end they're in hell and that's that's it yeah we they kill the the, what i love about the end of city of the living dead um is that they kill the priest within these sub catacombs of uh that exist beneath the church and it sort of implies that you know this priest was up to something something strange um and uh they kill him by stabbing him through with a cross and uh they get up to the surface and uh we think everything is okay and then we realize in the strange shot of a child screaming that uh things are not okay that this that they weren't able to stop this event before uh, all saints day and we actually learn this fact before the the finale um there's a moment where they say the sun is already risen and our characters go it's all saints day and earlier in the movie they said we need to fix this by all saints day by all saints day yeah and they uh they get they get out of the ground the sun is fully up presumably they killed the priest three minutes earlier like and uh yeah it didn't it didn't fix it didn't close that gateway to hell and i i kind of love that they were like oh yeah we didn't earlier they signal like oh yeah we didn't we didn't beat the timeline and they're like well what else do we do we push forward yeah. um which is a very like lovecraftian idea like that 
they people don't entirely understand what's going on but what are you gonna do just like not try yeah and i think like as much as i've kind of been making some jokes like i think the these two movies are so similar in structure and uh it really just depends on like what works for you better and i would say like the priest component here who like there is a more of like a big bad who is like stalking and it's not just uh zombies but it feels like there's a a person with agency or purpose who is like causing this uh and then i i think there's less stretches that are trying to be dreamlike which again mean that it has a lot more action and gory set pieces. And since the gory set pieces are the best parts of these movies, more of them to me just ends up equaling a more enjoyable movie. Like there's, there's definitely some slow parts in this movie and some of those kind of eccentricities that bog it down that we talked about. But like, it's a good point to talk about is that people consider city, the dry run for the beyond. And I, I disagree with that. I think city stands on its own legs. I think it's a more, um, satisfying, uh, you know, traditional horror experience. Uh, but the beyond is goes to much stranger, more alien territory. So it has, I I think that it has a, it has a better distinction. I don't think so. So I agree with what the people are saying, except the exact opposite of what they're saying. Uh, and that, and that's, he got all the good ideas for this. So I'm going to change it. He got all his good ideas out with City and then his leftovers went to Beyond. Uh, I don't think that's true, though, because I think, I no, think that he has lots of... reductive. He has lots of He has lots of new ideas for the Beyond. And the Beyond, I think, has higher peaks for me than City of the Living Dead. It's just City of the Living Dead is more consistently entertaining. I think yeah. the Beyond has this whole middle stretch. It basically... Basically, the entire second act of the Beyond uh, kind of bugs me, um, and I'm not saying that because of the tarantulas. All right, folks, um, <laughs> it kind of kind of bugs me um, because I think it loses that decadent, lurid, atmospheric, dreamlike quality for a little bit, and then just becomes a boring mystery about the, a character chasing down a book. And then in the third act, there's a moment when I think really kicks off the third act. And it's when um, the I would say the third act begins with the moment where uh, the maid Martha uh, unclogs a drain, drains a tub. And then Joe's corpse, Joe the plumber. Uh, uh, we can talk about that if you want. Uh, Joe the plumber. I'd rather not. Yeah, I'd rather not remember way. Joe the plumber. Uh, I'll remember this Joe the plumber much longer than the other one. Um, this Joe the plumber rises out of the water and like horrifically murders her. And that kicks off the third act, which is essentially the gates have fully opened. And now the movie can get to the uh, the fireworks factory, so to speak. Whereas before then, it's a lot of people Oof. bopping around town and it's not atmospheric it's, or it's dreamy tr- enough. Uh, in the last three scenes, we've seen someone go get building plans, some plumbing, and then someone going into a bookstore to ask how long the book has been in the bookstore. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, riveting stuff here, guys. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the second act of The Beyond really drags, and I think it le- it reduces the audience's patience for act three. But ultimately, it's a 90-minute movie. Um, 
it's not it's asking you for some patience but it's not asking you for like fucking like, it's not asking you for like four hours of patience so i i'm not saying this about all italian horror movies at all um but they're all but extremely I, horny that is true yes well i mean they're italians yeah they're they're very repressed like oh, sorry, specifically you mean, you mean new yorkers are horny right everyone's horny peter <laughs> It's, it's like a biological thing. Not uh, everyone. Sorry. That's speaking with hyperbole. A lot of people are horny. <laughs> like me on this podcast right now. Um, <laughs> You're projecting. You're horny. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I like. But there are movies like. Like, I like Burial Ground. But having seen Burial Ground twice now. Burial Ground is also like a very slow movie with a lot of boring parts. That gets good when, A, there's zombie gore stuff going on. And it's B, all weird and all lurid and all gross and depraved. And, like, all yeah. the zombie violence, like, really rewards you for sticking it out. And then, two, when, again, I'm just not going to spoil it, but when any of the moments involving a, a son of one of the couples in Burial Ground is very uh, crazy and fun. Uh, not fun. It's definitely not fun. I don't know what it is. Shocking? Actually shocking? Yes. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, like, there are movies like Don't Torture a du- Duckling is a really good example. And I'm bringing it up because it's Fulci. But it's an example where I think the characters themselves, when you're spending time with them, you know, the first hour of the movie is a lot of characters talking about what's going on. Like, the acting is really good. Uh, even with through the dubbing. And, like... You, you don't have to keep waiting for these little mini fireworks factories to happen. And as much as I enjoy City of the Living Dead and for, you know, somewhat enjoy the beyond, I will just say, like, that this this does fit in that burial ground bucket where it's like, for the most part, the story isn't interesting to me that much. Uh, I guess it is somewhat. Um, but the part that it really isn't getting to me is the characters like between the dubbing and how like threadbare they are as characters with motivations and their motivations don't make sense half the time. Like they do, they just do things like that don't make any sense or uh, that you don't care about or have feelings and thoughts that don't make any sense. And their, their, their conversations together don't like, don't like in some ways feel, and this again, Partially because the dubbing feels like robots talking. So I feel like these two movies are really good examples of movies that I enjoy based on what's going on on screen. And if it's fucking visual presentation as opposed to the emotional connection with characters. So, yeah. So City wins because it has more cool shit that goes on on screen. And the stuff I like about The Beyond is, yeah, like the weird way that it looks at the end when they go through the gates of hell. I like when the tarantulas are eating people's faces. I like – that's why I was joking with you. Like, why are you naming all my favorite parts? Like – I like the acid falling on her face and the way that nurse's face and the way it slowly dissolves in these great, like visual effects, like that stuff's all good. But when they're sitting, like when she's sitting with her lawyer friend or whatever at lunch and they're talking about what's going on in their house, it's like, yeah, I don't like nothing. Nothing here is working. It's every, every character's too thin. And so the the more scenes like that, the more I'm not gonna be enjoying the movie. Um, 
yeah i mean that's a fair argument um but what i would say is because and the reason i wanted to bring both these movies on the lovecraft month is because the latter the beyond has atmosphere out the ass like the opening i think the and and, and the opening's great i think it has better peaks than city of the living dead you're right i think city of the living dead is more consistently exciting and uh more consistently interesting like the maggot storm is something i've literally never seen anything like before i've seen raining blood maybe a dozen times still cool but I've seen Raining Blood like maybe a dozen times at this point. Never seen a maggot storm anywhere else, especially with no. what appear to be, and this could never happen again, uh, real maggots. Real maggots. I don't think they could do that ever again. Um, especially with how many of the maggots they're killing as they're stepping around the room and trying <laughs> to avoid it. Like, that's just not a thing that happens anymore. Do you think even PETA's like they are maggot? They're weird they're about pro- like cockroaches and shit. I mean, I think I think we could all agree maggots are fine. Yeah, they're not even they're not even full on bugs. Yeah, they're just just like half bugs. They're like bug abortions. <laughs> bug, bug abortion. And PETA is very pro-choice because they don't like people, as all of my pro-life propaganda used to tell me. God, um, but yeah, PETA so- likes animals and wants to kill people. That's what you're taught. It's That's weird. I mean, it's weird because like. That's probably the reason that uh, Terry Gilliam made 12 Monkeys, but that's not how any of us read 12 Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah. so anyways, um, the I agree with you. The City of Living Dead is probably a movie I'd be more likely to rewatch. It's more consistent. Also, someone exciting. has their scalp ripped off. Yeah. The, the, fa- the amount of brains just squeezed through the so back of a brain. skull. I know. Like what? What kind of hand exercises are those zombies doing? You can squeeze but, through a skull. But I mean, you're saying there's not as much atmosphere, but I do think like the opening scene of the priest killing himself is very creepy. It's very. Creepy. I, I mean, I love the opening scene of the Beyond. I love the way he just kind of stalks around. I mean, he doesn't talk the entirety of the movie, right? Like he Both just movies begin around. with a sort of quiet, very, very quiet sort of just a horrific action happening with very little dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that even from an atmospheric perspective, I think City of the Living Dead is is above the Beyond because. By having a like somewhat antagonist or someone who's kind of bringing about the the doom and destruction and like a very creepy one, like a zombie, the zombified priest who like has an intense stare, who never talks, but just like, as you said, like one of the victims sees him as an unholy abomination. And like the reaction is that she like throws up her body. Um, I think having that makes City even a little bit a slightly better from an atmospheric perspective because I think one of the problems with the beyond is that like you don't have that like focal point really you start with like these zombies riding from mud and then there's a couple in the basement for a long time like you you get tarantulas here and you get the at like you get these accidents that are happening based on the evil force but like that true kind of like malevolent cosmic entity who like is either the bringer about of the destruction or like the facilitator for the destruction is lacking. So you have like no one in the beyond, which but that again, makes it more, I think that makes it more Lovecrafty. 
Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily the better movie. I'm saying that it's a better encapsulation of Lovecraftian themes. And so I wanted to do both movies for that reason. I would agree with that. I, uh, I think The Beyond is a little bit more Lovecraftian. I think City of Living Dead has its atmosphere. But City of the, uh, there's one thing that The Beyond, I think, in terms of... Um, core competency the beyond has over city of the living dead and that's that uh the beyond focuses on two characters and uh the characters serve yeah that's essentially very tropey yeah. tropey sort of uh characters uh the woman who is in an opportunity that she needs to make work and is now a haunted woman uh and the man who doesn't quite believe her but in the end joins her cause and they're romantically linked. Both that's a trope on a trope on a trope. But um, the the fact that we're following her throughout uh, and not bouncing around all these characters is the good kind of orienting. <laughs> like yeah. it's a good it, where I can actually like focus on like I can at least even though the film is not paying a lot of credence to her emotional struggle other than her terror. Like terror, the, every character in this movie. The movie gives a shit, a lot of shit about their emotional struggle against terror. That's that's pretty standard. That's a pretty standard horror thing. But everything else, like her fear, her economic fear that if this uh, hotel goes under, that it's not going to work out. Like there's not a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's there, all she has. All but she that's has one it. thing. Like well, whereas with City of I, Living Dead, I'm like, why is any? Why are any of these characters doing anything? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, having having. A couple of focal points or a, kind of a main character. Uh, if if the Beyond doesn't really have like an antagonistic force and almost like it feels like a lazy force that you don't know what's going on or what the, the main plan is or what the focal point is, it at least has a as a clear like protagonist, which you're right. City of the Living Dead just keeps like, oh, the creepy guy in the shed with the blow up doll. I, oh, I guess he he's a. He's a protagonist? Who knows? Yeah. Then people just keep wandering into the movie and then dying from maggot storms. You need to adapt. You need to filter Lovecraft through yourself, through your interests, through the... Uh, I mean, that sounds Lovecraftian. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you just take all that inside you. Become a prism for his vision. You need to You need to filter Lovecraft through yourself. You need to uh, take interests that you have and then... Um, overlap them with Lovecraft to get to his themes because um, the beyond is more literally Lovecraft. It's vaguer, way vaguer. It's slower. It's more pinged. It's more hinged on um, atmosphere, and the uh, because and, and, and because of that, most people will end the movie very confused. Um, whereas City of the Living Dead, I think people would end the movie and be like, oh, well, I guess they didn't stop the doomsday. At the end of, of the beyond, they go through the gateway of hell, which, like I said at the beginning of this episode, people want to see the other side. Lovecraft w was like, oh, well, no one is going to want to be transmuted into a monster. No one is going to want to see the other side of this, 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 uh awfulness they'll just go mad and then that'll be the end of the day and i love lovecraft's uh, work but he did he did have this this very conservative streak in terms of uh what he thought humans were willing to accept or willing to explore that mm -hmm. i think is a very strange thing at the end yeah. of at the end of both the beyond and at the end of the void two characters because there's nowhere to go but forward end up in an alien uh hellscape 
that the gateway yep. has been opened to and all they have is each other and they're trapped there. We have no idea what's going to happen next, but we have a sense that they might have done something like this act might have been somewhat heroic in the void. I don't get it in the beyond at all. I get that the act is basically just like, oh, they just walked, well, in, there's the wrong, no they act, walked in the wrong room. You're right, though. The difference is while well, they both go into the void and as we say, avoid the void, but avoid they, the void. they didn't avoid the void. So they um, in the beyond, they're just in the void in the movies over in City of the Living Dead. They stop the priests in there, you know, potentially and then come out and they're like some kids like, ah! yeah, you didn't do it. So uh, the other thing, though, I do think that both of these movies share something very much in common with Lovecraft. Uh, bad writing. <laughs> Sorry. yeah the dialogue the dialogue in in both the movies is terrible i mean it's just some it's a it's a buy-in you have to make with these movies yeah. with the dubbing this is a this is a this is a total unrelated this is just one of those hey peter something that relates to uh what we're talking about but only affects my life right now is that uh as you know i started reading comics yeah uh uh and i'm reading through uh marvel from like the beginning of uh fantastic four one like that whole mythology and let me tell you i have a new appreciation for what bad writing is uh because comics at that time uh you know some like especially if it's a visual medium they have this thing like show don't tell um stan lee's approach was tell 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 again and then tell a final time and, and uh, also show. Show, but make sure that you tell. <laughs> it is it is a lot of like... Is that a uh, wormhole? I've heard thing, I've heard about a wormhole. A wormhole might be something like this. And oh, this and no. this. No, it's even weird. I don't know if you've read some of these like early Marvel comics. But I've it's read Swamp like, Thing on DC side, but I haven't read like early no. Iron Man or anything. No. Oh, or, my God. Like, I'm reading... Like, it's, it's kind of interesting from a... Uh, academic standpoint and i'm excited to get into some better stuff um uh, and there, there's actually like i'm actually surprisingly super into thor but there is a lot of like the characters going well i'd love to tell that person that but as but i can't because i'm thor and if i'm thor then i have to wield the you know it's like it's like constantly assuming that um and like bad guys just telling their motivations like immediately like Oh ha! You thought I was gonna do this, but I'm gonna do this because I want to do this. And it's 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 actually almost comical in its uh, in its dialogue choices. So yeah, I'm. I mean, all this stuff seems like Shakespeare compared to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, the sometimes with the Marvel thing, it's because they're writing to a different audience. They're writing to children, and they have this sort of one of the things I do like about early comics and certain series, like even well-established characters, is they have this sort of like ah um optimism and earnestness yeah. that where they really needed you to, they really needed you to embrace these new characters that they were putting in front of your face. Uh, with uh with. The, the Beyond and City of the Living Dead, the drawback is 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 a language barrier, and also 
um, a guy who was making movies really fucking fast because that was his deal. Like well, he got his budget that, for this that, period. Yeah. He's making his budget really fast. And he was like, I need to get this to theaters by X date. And so like they didn't have time to hire an entire other staff to make sure that this logically made sense. Instead, it was like, yeah. uh, well, um, I'm the director and I'm the person that's been paid to be here. And I we don't have money for any of that. So I'm going to perform that job. Whereas in, yeah. in Marvel, it's that, like, we need, to, we need to introduce you to this character and you have to like them and you have to understand everything because you might be eight years old. <laughs> yeah, that is uh... – I, I'm also reading the biography, or not the biography, but the uh, um, the story of Marvel, a book, and I'm halfway through. And, like, yeah, Stan Lee was essentially writing every title. So, like, some titles he put some time into, and some it's like, Ant-Man. Uh, and he didn't put any stuff into it. But, yeah, so 1981, you're right, though. Like, 1981, he does The Black Cat, The Beyond, and The House by the Cemetery. That's three movies in a year. That's Peter. crazy. Too many movies. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so really quickly, House by the Cemetery is also included in this trilogy. Um, but it doesn't have uh, the dreamlike atmosphere and it's very small and it just it didn't feel right to smash it in with this. Uh, though I will say it's weirdly enough kind of an adaptation of uh, Cold Air. <laughs> Uh, oh really it's kind of like an adaptation of cold air and a little bit of like a not a frankenstein some other mad scientist story maybe like reanimator and cold air cool yeah i haven't seen that one yet um i've actually i think of i was looking at the list um check it twice okay gonna find out who's naughty and nice they're all naughty because they're all from beyond the grave <laughs> Um, I think I've only seen four Fulgies. Um, Zombie Two, these two, and then Don't Torture a Duckling. And as I we talked about in our Spooktober recaps, Don't Torture a Duckling became uh one of my favorites of that season. Uh, it's really really good. I think I also picked up the Black Cat. So I would say if you're not uh totally enamored with these two movies, uh if you're not totally enamored with his work, um there's not a whole lot else in his in his uh his oeuvre that I would recommend. Um I definitely don't recommend Manhattan Baby or the or uh, the Psychic. Um, I didn't like either of those films. They're kind of boring compared to both of these. Uh, I've heard good things about Four of the Apocalypse and Conquest, but I haven't seen those. That's respectively his Western and his like Conan the Barbarian style movies. I heard Conquest is pretty cool. But in terms of like pure horror, uh, I've seen The Black Cat. The Black Cat's really cool. And uh, I would not recommend um, New York Ripper unless you are just looking for the grodiest movie it's the, the sex violence in it is so gross. Have you seen uh, Don't Torture a Duckling? Yes, Don't Torture a Duckling. I think I recommended it to you. Don't Torture a Duckling is lovely. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I must have missed he, that in my I must have missed that in my list. Don't Torture a Duckling is lovely. And you know, I guess maybe I'm being unfair. A lizard in, in a woman's skin is uh, something that a movie that really works for a lot of people. Uh, if you're really into like psychedelia plus yellows. Like, yeah, definitely check that one out. But, like, uh, Fulci has directed a lot of movies, and if you're yeah. not super into City Living Dead or The Beyond or Zombie, I wouldn't I wouldn't really push you much more into other stuff. That's not one of those directors where, like, well, if you don't like that, keep trying. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, – I mean, those three are all pretty similar. Like, 
Zombie, the Beyond, and City of the Living Dead have shades. Zombie 2 is like that quasi-sequel to Dawn of the Dead. It has some good moments. I do think if you're going to pick one of the generally associated with uh, Fulci movies, like his zombie stuff, like the Beyond and City of the Living Dead, obviously there's there's some disagreements about which one to go with uh, from, from, for example, the two hosts of this show. But uh, and a lot of other people as well. But they both like, as I said at the beginning, do not do a double feature. Do not watch these back to back. These are like similar movies with different spins and different effects. Uh, But I would like if these don't work for you and they do work for me. I do like these movies. I would say go with Don't Torture a Duckling because that is very, like, weird, Twin Peaksy, uh, uh occult. It's very different than these movies. Uh, but yeah. a lot of his other movies feel like the, these. Yeah, I, I, it's a good point. But he didn't make a whole lot of movies in a sort of uh, – he didn't make a whole lot of movies in that sort of vein. I really do like The Black Cat. I, I feel like we should do an Evil Cat Month. Um and get that one in there. Um, there's Should a we lot redo of... City of the Living Dead? <laughs> there's a lot of evil cat movies, like a lot. There's and I you're saying like, like a lot, and it feels like you're trying to think of one and aren't thinking of one, which makes me think they're not a lot. I mean, just uh, name, on the show we've covered one. Pet Cemetery and we've covered uh, uh, what's it called House. And I mean, if you want to get into cat people, there's there's three three of those cat people, cat people, uh, and uh, sleepwalkers, um, and curse of the cat people, curse of the cat people, cat's By eye, way, that Stephen that Stephen King anthology, um, okay, the uncanny, and the set the seventies movie, and the uninvited as well, okay. I just I don't I don't remember which one is which for the uncanny and the uninvited. What about the cat from outer space? Uh, I mean, it's a cool cat, but I don't know if it's a it's a scary cat. Can we do creepy or cool cats? Um, that would be cool cats would clearly be a separate month because we'd have to cover Austin Powers, obviously. He's a cool oh, cat. Oh, behave! Oh, behave! Like they said uh, in the movie. I was there's I was a movie pitch called... us on doing Austin Powers at some point, and then I rewatched the first one. And I was like, this isn't very funny. Really, the first one, I I I in my head still holds up. Me too. It doesn't. If you want to kill that, watch it again. There's a movie called Evil Cat. There's a it's lot a of Hong Evil Kong. Cat it's a Hong Kong film directed by Dennis Yu that has no information on Wikipedia. I'm, let's do it for the show. How? Um, we should do watch. it. Watch. Email DennisU at gmail.com. DennisU at yahoo.com. DennisU at. <laughs> what if he goes by Denny? Shit. Well, do do those at the same time. Do yeah, a BCC some, to all these guys. You can say some things. I'm going to see if there's a way to watch Evil Cat online. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't have anything else. Oh, okay. I've got plenty of stuff. Oh. Um, so, the in the beyond, the some of my favorite stuff in the movie um, is just visual imagery that uh, seems to come out of nowhere. There's a mm-hmm. cut in it that's like one of my favorite cuts in horror history. Uh, there's a, a moment when uh, Joe is getting his eyeball gouged out and the eyeball is popping out. Oh, and they, yeah. And they smash cut to this beautiful shot of one of those... those uh, 
uh, ocean highways. I, I don't know what the actual term is, but it's it's essentially the highways that they build to connect different keys together. And, and in Florida, there's a lot of them. I, I think in Louisiana, I presume in Louisiana, because that's where this movie takes beyond takes place. They have them. Um, and this sh- beautiful shot of a gorgeous blue day, but this alien sort of highway jutting across the earth. And then um, Liza, our protagonist, is driving a car. And in the middle, standing in the middle of the lanes is uh, Emily, uh, a blind woman standing with her dog, Dickie, just standing there in the middle of the highway. And it's like my favorite shot. Like, it's one of my favorite shots in horror history. And it's just, it's this surreal, creepy dream imagery that clearly came straight from Fulci's brain. Yeah, good shot. Good shot. Um, and the, 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 There's no Jordan in game six, but it's a good shot. <laughs> um, I also love a lot of the imagery in the basement of the hotel and like their, their failing attempts. Oh, to- you do? See, I kind of like, I don't know. There, maybe it's just like I've had too many shitty basements in my life or like been in too many. But like, I actually am not a huge fan of all that basement stuff. And I don't know why. Like, it just feels too, like... It's a sewer level in Dark Souls, do you? Yeah, it is. Like, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, like, I like the guy getting crucified in there at the beginning, but then it's just there's so much in the mud and the gunk, and it's like, I don't I don't think the plumber's going to be able to do much. I think you should tear the hotel down. There's mud and floods everywhere. That's not a good basement. Yeah. And connecting these two movies, so these are technically zombie movies, but would you ever classify this with other zombie movies? Uh oh yeah, I mean, City of the Living Dead especially. I don't. I wouldn't really. I wouldn't really. I I feel like I would classify this more in like paranormal ghost movies. The predominant vision of what a zombie movie is has become um either, you know, dead has uh, the hell has uh overflowed with uh souls and now they're you know they're coming back to to raise the dead or primarily uh, a pathogen um some sort of virus movie uh and i think the romero model has really the romero model which treats zombies as sort of a pragmatic thing that you can work around and the reason we fail to keep they're not actually not a huge threat if if humans work together but if they fail to work together then that's when the zombies get us like the walking dead model the romero model like that that um that i feel like is is what has become what a zombie is you shoot it in the head kind of stuff um very like military focused and strategy focused you can shoot these in the head. You can, but they're just this like flowing. Well, you can shoot the beyond ones in the head. You can't really do much with the the city of the living dead ones. They 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 bounce around through different planes of dimen- different dimensions and different planes, yeah. and they will pop up behind you for seemingly seemingly no rhyme or reason, which I think adds to the Lovecraftianness of City of the Living Dead. That these zombies aren't like they're not pathogen zombies, and they're not a stand in yeah. for consumerism. They're not a stand in for any of that stuff. They're just. They just they're uh, they're they're paranormal entities to me, and and I I I feel like that's why I sort this these movies more as Lovecraft movies or paranormal movies because I I don't think about these zombies as like oh man it'd be so cool to I don't even think about them as associated with like the zombie zombies from Zombie, um, <laughs> because those are pathogen zombies. They're do you they're, think they're like the the cranberry zombie? Uh, they're in your head. They're in your head. Zombie zombie. 
Um, they uh, probably, uh, I don't think they're a stand-in for the the British uh, discrimination and prejudice against the Irish people. Um, maybe Zombie Two. Maybe Zombie Two. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but you know what, what I'm saying. What does the like, shark represent, Peter? Gotta think. Um, the shark. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't. Assume, I, I accept. I put zombie I think, into I think the Dawn right, of the Dead but... camp, and I put City of the Living Dead and the Beyond into this sort of separate, sort of like killer ghosts camp. Like we are still here. I just think there's so many zombies. Like they're like that look like traditional zombies. So I don't know. Like, uh, and I, I just did a test. Like I looked in Google and I put uh, best zombie movies and like. Yeah, the Google thinks the Beyond is a zombie. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't associate it with like. I mean, it has zombies Google's in it, but like, I. The, than you, it's like it's dead. like you could people be like, oh, twenty eight days later doesn't technically have zombies in it or whatever, but twenty eight days later is obviously a zombie movie, right? Like sometimes yeah. these these lines are kind of goofy. Obviously, the Beyond has zombies in it. I'm not trying to say they're not zombies, but I'm saying no. I know. Like I you you just asked me if I thought of these as zombie movies. Yeah, and I said yeah. yes, and I and I understand why you don't. Yeah, but like. But they um, are the primary like thing, and it's not until and it's not until the end of the Beyond that there's any attempt to sort of shoot them down, and it's completely impotent. It's this like, oh, I'll shoot one of the, and it, it's just this this throng that keeps coming, and it doesn't seem like they would ever, even with a million bullets, they would ever stop the event, the um, the cosmic event from happening. Well, right? and you know. I, I do one thing I really like about European zombie movies is that in general there it feels like and I'm assuming this has to do with gun laws or something, but like in every American zombie movie everyone has access to unlimited guns and unlimited ammunition and, and one of the one of the commentaries that like those zombie movies are are it doesn't matter how many bullets, how many guns you have it keeps coming and then whatever metaphor that the zombies mean in those movies that's what keeps coming but it is always like in somewhat refreshing that like you know a big part of burial ground is like try to get the gun um, yeah there's a there's a sort of uh there's a sort of wrestling and and there's a there's a sort of management of resources and like it, it doesn't feel like there's just a systematic way to end the threat right yeah um, american <laughs> so american zombie movies are resident evil 4 and european zombie movies are resident evil 1 inventory <laughs> management <laughs> But it's also funny because so many uh, European zombie movies are about like uh, also you, the dialogue's the same. You you shoot a zombie seven times in the chest, and then you're like, "Hey, wait a minute!" And you shoot him in the head, and then they go down, and then the next zombie, you're just like, "Well, I'm gonna try the chest first again. <laughs> Maybe I have to do seven first in the chest, and then the head." Is that the rule? Like, <laughs> was they, it the they exact spots? Did I get the? Ma- I know that is always frustrating with like characters that just can't. Yeah. Like, and also. Even, like, there's one uh, called Hell of the Living Dead that I'm fond of. It's pretty bad, but it's Hell of the Living Dead. It's literally about, like, like fucking commandos, like, badass commandos, and they end up killing zombies in the jungle, but they're, they're like, they're not, like, super capable or anything. Like, that's, it's that, it's an extrapolation of what I was basically saying. Like, it's not like they're, like, they're commandos, but they're, all of a sudden they're, like, forget how to shoot straight. Like, it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Well, you know what else is really frustrating about it, though, is like, so these are monsters coming to kill you. Yeah. You've probably seen them eat your friends. Uh, you should always shoot people that are coming to kill you in the head because 
even if they're not zombies, you can shoot people in the arm and they'll keep coming. Like, if you want to kill the thing, you have to shoot for this. The only way to make sure zombie or no zombie. Like, it's so it's always so frustrating when they like shoot him in the arm. It's like you shouldn't do that to anyone who's trying to kill you. <laughs> it's the arm. Oh yeah, people for, people get them cut off sometimes and keep on. It's keep fine. On going. It's fine. Just keep yeah. on trucking. That's what's so frustrating. It's like if you really were like, I have limited bullets and I need to make sure living people were dead. You should aim for the head. I mean, you shouldn't kill living people, but in this analogy it's like why didn't you think of that earlier the head is the most obvious spot to kill people um yeah that's a big target like what you don't know where you should you, you think you know you think you know the difference between the spleen and the heart like you don't know it's just shooting in the chest like shooting the head you're like it's, is it on my left or their left yeah like you yeah that'll do it if you hit that big circle thing at the top That'll always do it, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would get it. I get it in cop movies and stuff because cops are trained to, to shoot for the center of mass, like movies with cops in it, because they're, they're they're not trained to like take headshots and shit. Um, the but like when it's normal people and you figured out that headshots work, buddy, go for the headshots. But anyways, we're getting into we're, it's weird how zombie movie uh, we can talk about this probably more in uh, the next zombie movie episode. Not as much this one, but like it is weird how zombie movies at first, like it was a fun thing for all of us to talk about. Like, what would you do in a zombie apocalypse? And then zombies got so big that eventually the like uh, zombie prepper thing became like kind of this like dorky weird thing that you shared with alt right people. <laughs> And you're like, oh, I, I probably don't need to talk about this anymore. It was fun until you ruined it. You actually have a bunker. So, like, the the greatest example of that, because I lived through that, right? Like, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, which I like, um, which we'll probably actually end up doing this summer, um, kind of, like, helped revive – and 28 Days Later. I'm forgetting a very big one. <laughs> Probably bigger, more important than Dawn of the Dead. Although Dawn of the Dead was a bigger, like, box office hit. Like, help revitalize zombies. Then there was Fast and Slow. Even George Romero got to make, you know, uh, a couple couple more dead movies because people were so interested in it. And, like, so then you had, like, Max Brooks writing um, – yeah, he wrote – I mean, Max Brooks uh, – Mel Brooks' son wrote World War C – just such a good book. Great book. But he also wrote before that the Zombie Survival Guide, which um, I had a friend who had. And it was kind of like – it was a joke, right? A huge joke. Like It was a joke because he was basically being like, these are the established rules we've already agreed on. Hey, this is kind of weird. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Anyways, next bullet point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like – that was so funny at the time, and now the idea of me wanting to buy a book, even by Max Brooks, called The Zombie Survival Guide, like, makes me sad, because zombies have become, like, something that people – I don't know if it's so much, like it's, – it's hard to gauge for me, like, how many people are really planning for the zombie apocalypse, or how many people are just, like, planning to have to kill 
all their neighbors and friends and like what that what what that would look like like how would they survive yeah. when they could kill people that they know and it is it is weird it's worth it's it's worth an entire 2 hour segment on on how it went from this fun sort of um this fun sort of absent barroom conversation where you could be like, oh, yeah, where would be a good place to go? You know, like the mall. Well, the mall would have these drawbacks. You're like, well, you go to a police station. You're like, well, the police station would be full of other like cops and people that already have guns trying to keep you out. And you're like, well, what about this place? And like, sometimes people come up with really clever answers that you wouldn't think of. And like it was more of like a conversation of just like, all right, here's a set of rules. How do you think outside this rules instead? Yeah. And like I said, like it, it kind of, yeah, it got like the conversation got like tied into uh basically the conversation allowed a bunch of uh gun nuts to enter the conversation and they were like well i'm always prepping for a zombie apocalypse like oh yeah we were kind of like talking about this over like beer not so much like actually stockpiling ammo for when you i don't know have to shoot u.s troops because of whatever first second amendment fantasy you've got that's the other thing about zombie apocalypses that make it less fun like you realize all these crazy people are planning to shoot like friends and neighbors because those are the people that are surrounding them so it's not and even if they haven't been turned it's a lot of like well obviously i wouldn't let gladys my landlord in yeah it's gonna be a weird thing when like if they're ever is some sort of like uh some sort of like mass white supremacist insurrection that some part of the origin story is going to have to include liberal uh gun hating george romero <laughs> it's so gross well we i mean can't have right nice things for these two movies uh similar to martyrs i think uh aaron and i each got a shot to give a sort of uh we had to make an argument to why uh, our choices fit into this month um because there are some more core examples so to speak that we could have chosen but and I, we probably will we have a long list yeah we'll we do like another month Lovecraft. at some point um yeah. this month was supposed to be sort of a surprise but uh the next month will not be um the the uh we could have done more core entries and i have a couple like more obscure ones that i would love to do on the show um but the reason i wanted to do martyrs and i wanted to do city living dead and the beyond together was because they i think by stepping away from the formula and not actually really participating in the formula they help give us a bit of perspective on what makes this cosmic horror genre tick and what separates this sort of feel this atmospheric feel from other movies um i mean there's a, a lot of paranormal thrillers usually follow a set of rules you bury the bones and you settle the ghost uh, don't play with ouija boards say the prayers and exercise the demon go to confession but not here at all it's a more nihilistic and uh, you know uh, sadistic vision of what these paranormal forces are that are out there uh the will of something greater not even necessarily satan like just this this we might have just assigned the term hell to mean this other dimension a la event horizon right um this this uh, other force this dark force out there doesn't necessarily playing by the rules and the movie doesn't necessarily play by the rules of standard cinema um, what people consider good about cinema um and uh, the fact that these humans push forward to try and just close the damn gate or just to survive. Uh, and these, these build the dang fence. 
build the dang fence. Just trying to build the dang fence and paint it white as well. All of our references are from like 2006 to 2008 political ads. Uh, yes. Do you think that's helpful for the listener or not helpful? Uh, extremely helpful. Because right. we're giving them a point of reference that uh, they can ask their parents about. Um, <laughs> uh, I really swift-boated you. Continue. <laughs> but the c- pure confusion that these films kind of set you into is part of the part of the feature that we're talking about here. And I, I think it's... I think it's it's important to talk about uh, when you're talking about themes and fe- feel and textures and when you're talking about what makes a subgenre, what makes a movement, what makes a, a particular set of films fit into a theme. It's sometimes fun to stretch that and say, oh, this fits within the theme for these reasons and make an argument because it makes you think about these movies differently and it makes you think about these movies critically. And like, even if you don't agree with us that these movies are actually Lovecraftian, you more agree with like the Lurker and the Lobby book that's like has like basically nothing to say about either of them. Like, yeah, they dropped some references. That's it. Um, I think that by stepping outside of what we've established, we're actually saying, okay, then what kind of movie is it? Where does it fit into a cultural context? Uh, What movies do you think inspired this movie? What movies do you think this movie inspired going forward? Um, And House by the Cemetery is a movie. Maybe we'll do someday. Maybe we'll do House by the Cemetery and We Are Still Here. Uh, The the Ted Geoghan movie. Zero idea how to say his last name. It's it's an Irish name. Geoghan. Uh, but the, if we did We Are Still Here and uh, House by the Cemetery, that'd be a fun double bill. Um, but that movie is direct, directly inspired by uh, that. So maybe that's a double bill we'll do in the future and wrap up this trilogy. Maybe. Yeah, I thought you were just saying no, you, we weren't going to do it. I said maybe. That's the key to parenting. No. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do that later. Uh, um, so, so uh, Aaron, when, when do we think we'll, we'll be able to do House by the Cemetery and we're still here together? Ooh, let's talk about it later. Um, yeah, but like you said later. Here's the best thing about later, Peter. Yeah. You said later, but like, do you have later? Like a, Just later. Like a box, maybe brackets. Peter, is it later now? I got to, I, Aaron, let me do one movie that I Peter. chose for the show. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm going to be paying Pete. for it for years. Peter, mm-hmm. it's not later yet. Once it gets later, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but it's now, now. So you, it's not later. Do you do you run your parenting like you're the uh, the office from Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll definitely reassess that when you fill out your ten stroke B. <laughs> Look, Peter. If you ever ever have kids, the sheer amount of requests that come through to corporate office, which is me, it's impossible. To debate the merits of each one. So you have to be like, yeah, let's uh, let's put a pin in that. Let's table that for a future date. You can't just, uh, you can't be like, say definitive to everything because then all the yeses are going to be great, but all the noes are going to be like a 60-minute conference call, usually with crying. Um, I mean, all my conference calls end with crying, but it's just because I don't want to do it. Well, these start with crying. <laughs> oh, I usually kind of... Ending with crying would be fine. Like, oh, this is over? You're going to go cry? Great. I guess from your oh, perspective, God. I can't say whether the calls are climaxing or nadiring with uh, <laughs> with crying. Um, kind of depends on whether or Just not you want me crying. to cry. But 
you know, that's it, yeah. it, it happens at some point, and I need to work up to it. There needs to be a first act, a second act, and then the, the, the waterworks just keep on flowing. Speaking of crying, this month is over. Uh, yeah, like when is our next love? But it's a new. It, this was fun. Uh, according to our plan so far for this year, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, according to 2020's uh, radar, uh, we're gonna have to wait until 2021 to get uh, some more in. I mean, we we're, we have an undecided horror month. But speaking of things that aren't undecided, we've decided what's happening in February and rise and shine campers because it's off to meet the groundhog we're doing uh movies that have in some way just directly ripped off or taken inspiration from the film groundhog day it's kind of rare that a movie from 1992 has essentially established uh its own little mini genre where basically they're just like oh yeah that's a formula i'm gonna take that formula and do the same thing in these other genres or with these other ideas uh instead of like comedy drama with horror or other things so uh and they've done it with tv shows and movies and there's a ton action stuff sci-fi there's a ton of examples uh, but we settled on four including of course next week uh where we'll be starting with groundhog day which peter is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time so I'm really excited to talk about it. I pro- It is also up there with like movies I have seen the most because one thing about the Groundhog Day structure is they tend to make movies and TV episodes that are eminently rewatchable. And that is very much true of Groundhog Day. Uh, and then we haven't actually narrow- uh, nailed down the order for the next three or uh, there's actually one episode where we may or may not have a guest. But the next uh, three episodes will be the Tom Cruise starring uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die and Repeat or All You Need Is Kill. I've only seen like I've only seen two of those movies. So you've only seen. OK, well, it's called all three. Oh, what's it? Do you, do you, what's Kill, Die, Repeat? It's live, die, repeat. Kill, live, repeat. Well, he lives, then he dies, and then you repeat it. Hey, have you met my uh, my friend, uh, Repeat? <laughs> I hate Together you. we're known as Pete and Repeat. <laughs> okay, well, if you could just die, repeat, <laughs> be great. If you um, could just die, repeat. Die, repeat. Uh, so we're doing that. We're doing uh, Happy Death Day and... Happy Death Day to you with a guest, Carrie Nelson. We're very excited about to once again be talking about dead moms like our last five episodes. It's a running theme. It's a but can you call something a theme if we just keep doing it again? I mean, I guess that's what therapy is, right? You're like, I'm noticing a theme here that you don't seem to be noticing. (laughs) Yeah, Carrie, Peter, and myself are all in our own Groundhog Day where we keep doing movies with dead moms. Yeah, and we're all all in a mutual therapy session together uh, where we just need to keep going through this this one theme. And then we're also doing one that it's a little bit different, but we really wanted to talk about it. We feel like it's super underseen. It uh, it, it definitely – those – so Edge of Tomorrow and the Happy Death Day movies just are like, oh, we're just copying Groundhog Day in different genres. Triangle is the fourth movie we're doing, 
which instead takes some components from Groundhog's Day to be this really awesome horror movie that we're super excited to talk about. And probably is, uh, if you're listening, is is the movie that you're less likely to have seen. Uh, last I checked, it was on Amazon Prime. And like I said, it is fantastic. So if you have not seen Triangle, do so before we talk about it. That's it, though. So once again, I bid you... Uh, I hope I hope your winter blossoms into uh, spring maggot storms. As always, they say April maggot storms bring May uh, rat storms, winter storms, summer swarms, shawarma. Are you like not even doing a full? Tu- what are you just saying words? <laughs> uh, I have to. Like I was that. doing like you know like there's a maggot storm, April showers. Bring May flowers. Yeah. And you're you're just talking about shawarma? <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, that's what happens at the end of the Avengers, Avengers movie. Eaten shawarma before. Yeah, like uh, it happens at the end of it, the Avengers movie. It happens at the end of this episode. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs)